Welcome to Radiant 17. Monday. Miracle Monday nights. Because we're looking for the miracle one to work miracles. Any kind of miracles. We, we're looking for that. And so we want that. And so, amen. Um, Father, we thank you for the word. We love the word. We love the word. We love the bread. The bread of life that came down from heaven. We want that bread. We desire that bread. We want to eat of that bread. Jesus, we don't want you standing at the front door, knocking at the door of our hearts. We invite you in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in and sup with us. Come and eat with us. Come and fellowship with us. Come and break open your word. Holy Spirit, fill us fuller. Because we want you more than anything. Because we want you more than anything. Mm. Oh, we bless you, Lord, and we honor you. And we magnify your name. And I don't ask that you would rest on us. Holy Spirit, that you would possess us. If the demons can possess people and fully have control, Holy Spirit, we yield our full control to you. And we say, we don't want you just to rest. We want you to possess us. Take control. Have your way in us. Yeah. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. Have your way out of us, moving before us. So that the world can see who you are. So the world can see who Abba is in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to talk to you tonight, and I want to I want to title this tonight, um, this thought tonight. He is speaking. So therefore we should speak. Amen. Let's turn with me. We're going to jump through a couple of scriptures, but I'm going to look right now at, um, at Ezekiel 37. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. And we all know this famous story. It's about can a dry bones live, but our focus is not on the live part, at least not yet. We want to focus on what God had uh, um, what God had Ezekiel do. What was his part in it? Because a lot of times we approach a circumstance or a situation and we have this tendency that it's all the Lord and we play no part in it. Doesn't matter how big your part is. There is a partnership. There is a oneness that we share with Christ Jesus. And so any and everything that he is doing, there is something you are to do and there's something he's doing and that you know that what he's doing and you doing are working cohesively together for a particular goal to see, uh, um, to see the uh, to see the end of a thing, to see the breakthrough, to see right into victory, and so we need to know. And so it isn't God didn't put all the, do all these things, put all these things in us to make children who would just constantly just look helpless or hopeless, but that the Lord says that you are more than conquerors. That's what He told Paul. Paul writes this: "You are more." than conquerors. Paul is affirming you, speaking life into you, saying you are more than a conqueror. 
What does that mean? That means that it isn't just you have the right to rule, but you are advancing. You are advancing. You are advancing. Your ability to rule, to conquer, isn't just I'm just I'm this prince or I'm this I'm this this princess and we're part of this kingdom, but that we're more than a conquerors. We we move beyond. We don't just say we're here. The kingdom is in action. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Paul is saying this, and then Jesus says, or First John says this, that we are overcomers because of who we believe in. Question is who you believe in. Are you believing in you? Are you believing in people? Are you believing in the one who overcame everything? Because who you believe in is what you will what you will succumb to or what will be the result of what you're stepping into it's 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 like because we believe in jesus and he is the overcomer who he is is what what falls on me that means i'm an overcomer because i believe in him but if i have faith in man the bible says curse is a man that puts his trust in a man because all that a man is is what you will receive and a man is fallible no man is perfect. So we always, even in business, even in anything, dealings that we deal with here on the earth, we are to always keep all of our eggs in God's basket as we engage people. I'm not saying that we walk around and we got this spirit of suspicion because that's not a spirit. That's some nonsense that people have made up to scare people and push people out of church. But you should be able to discern the spirit behind the thing, whether it is a human spirit, whether it's the devil, whether it is the Lord himself, you should be able to discern those things and not have to be in this place of suspicion because people that move in suspicion move in fear. And I'll just say it, fear is the fake Holy Spirit. That's what it is. It is the, it is the Holy Spirit of the kingdom of darkness. That's what fear is. That's what fear is. And that's why the angels, when they would come and you would fall down and you're trembling or you would fall as a dead man and they would say first what? Fear not. Fear not. We want to move that because if you stay in fear, there's nothing that the kingdom can do for you. So he's like, fear not. Move that out the way. Now let me tell you why I'm here. Fear is, is, is the fake Holy Spirit. It is the fake Holy Spirit of the kingdom of darkness. And so we don't want no partnership with that. That's why perfect love, that's why God's perfect love destroys all fear. Fear doesn't give you the ability to do anything except be bound, except not believe or to believe a lie. That's what fear does. And I'm just speaking this because this is our message. This is not my message, but it is because I'm getting there, I'm just laying some groundwork as we go. But yeah, fear does that. But when you choose to believe that you're more than a conqueror, that you're wonderfully made in the hands of the Lord, or that God is beautifying you, he's taken the mess that was made, the mess that you thought you were, the mess that, you, that, was, that was your identity up until you met Jesus. Jesus says, I take and I beautify the meek with salvation. Salvation makes you attractive. Salvation makes you beautiful. 
not just beauty in the superficial way, but beauty with the depth, the deepness, that the beauty of the Lord, what he does in the inside shines forth on the outside and everybody's able to behold and see our God full of grace and truth in your life because the Bible says you are a written epistle. You are an open book read by men and what are they seeing? Are they seeing the beauty of the Lord being magnified in your life? They should because that's what God intended for them to see. How can they see who this invisible God is except that he would what? Be seen through his children. Yes, he can manifest himself. Yes, he can make himself tangible where they can see him. But how much more and how relatable is it that the people would see his children moving and breathing on the earth and they would see him in, 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 in Jennifer or in Cindy or in, or in Kevin or in Fernando or, or in Eric and, or Carlos. They would see you in, in Rachel or Arlene or Vivian. They would see you and they would see like, wow, that's the Lord. But look at but look look at the shell. The shell is different, but it's still Jesus. And they would see how, through the way God made you, how He uses you, He moves and breathes with who you are. You have a part in this. And that's why you have to arise and truly believe in what God has made you, who He's made you to be. Because this is a partnership. This is we're doing this together. This is a marriage. This is the bridegroom and the bride doing life together. This is not just, oh, save me. I'm the damsel in the, in, in, in the castle and I need to be saved from the bad dragon. No. When he saved us, the day he, we said yes to him, he, we became him. And then now the dragon is afraid of us because who we are one with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we have submitted ourselves unto the Lord, the enemy can be resisted, he can be rebuked, and he will flee because of who we're one with. That is important. We need to know this, that your life, your partnership is important in this, and you're not just blindly, in, in, in some ways, following God. Well, God, I'm just going along just, you know, just barely making it. No, 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 no. Don't, don't partner with that. Because you shall have what you say. And we're going we gonna to dig into that a whole lot more. But let's dig into uh, Ezekiel 37. And it says this. In the hand of the Lord, 30, 37, verse 1, it says, And the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out of the spirit of the Lord. Carried me by the spirit of the Lord. He took me someplace. He grabbed him and took him someplace. Some of you are going to do that. Some God's going to take you in the spirit someplace or maybe even translate you physically to a place. He did it with, with the evangelist uh, Philip as he went to minister. And there are, there are known uh, believers today that have testified of being uh, gone places, that they didn't fly, they didn't travel, they went because our God is amazing. And he's got some amazing things in store for us. So the spirit of the Lord takes him, sets him down, in the midst of a valley, and he sees this valley full of dry bones. And he said, he caused me to pass around about. So he caused him to survey the situation. Go ahead, walk around. 
walk around and check it all out. Look, take a good look at it. And he was able to see the severity of this situation. You can't see a situation until you are in the midst of it and God has you in and you're able to see it because you can always see something from the outside and judge, but it's a little bit different when you get in the midst of it. It is, it really is. And so sometimes we need to be in the midst of it to really get a bird's eye view of what's going on. So it's not like a passing car just passing by, but we're in that car, we're in that and we're engaging what's going on. And so he goes on and says here, and he asks him a question. I love that. There's this, there's this conversation that God wants to have about your situation. God wants to have a conversation about what you are facing, what you are dealing with. He is a relational God that speaks to his people, that speaks to you. He wants to have a conversation with you. And he says this, says unto him, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel after walking around, take, surveying the situation, taking a look at everything, he says, O Lord, thou knowest. Here's the interesting thing. I love that he deferred to God saying, oh God, you know. You the only one that know. Can I submit to you that in this day and age, Jesus knew what the will of the Father is and was and what he was supposed to do so when he engaged the situation it wasn't about well you know lord he was like no i know why because you and i are one and i commune with you there's a difference between what ezekiel was doing and what we as the sons of God, the ones that are made in the image and likeness of Christ Jesus, how we're supposed to operate. You may say, well, I'm not there yet. That's okay. I'm just pointing it out so that you can get there, that this is what he's doing, that you will get to a place where, where you didn't know. Now you know because the Holy Spirit is there to lead you and guide you what? In all truth. And what? Show you things to come. He's there to reveal the Father's heart. He's there to teach you. And if that be true, then the reason that we don't know certain things because maybe we are not paying attention, maybe we're not yielded enough because it's not on God. We have something so precious that's ready to inform us and help us get it to that speed. Let's keep going. He goes on and says this, and the Lord, thus said the Lord, God unto these bones, behold. No, I, let me go back to verse four. He says again, he says again, he says unto me, prophesy to these bones. Or can I just bring it to our terms? The Lord looked at him and said, you speak to the situation. Now he had just asked him, can they live after surveying the land? Now you would think, as Ezekiel, as a prophet walking with God, he would know in his knowing that, Lord, yes, these can live if you want them to live, but he didn't respond that way. He just said, you know, I don't know, which is not good because he's a, he's a, he's a friend of God. The Bible says he reveals his secrets. He makes known the things that are in the dark to his friends relationally. Why don't you know Ezekiel? Why don't you know that they can live? You should know that they can live 
because God, you should know God's will. We're just going to go. We just, I'm, I'm just laying some stuff as we go. And the Lord says to him, you speak to it. So the Lord look at you in your situation and say, you speak to it. What do you mean, Jesus? What do you mean? I have to speak to it? What about you? I'm waiting for the word of the Lord. I'm waiting on the word of the Lord to come in and, and, and speak and do something. And God says, do you really think this situation is impossible? Do you really think the door is really closed? Do you really think that you really can't have that? Do you really think that you're always going to be by yourself? Do you think you're not going to have kids? Do you think, and you can fill in the blank. And you should say, yes, Lord. I know because it's your will. Because the Bible says this. Your word says this. When we fellowship in the bread, when we feasting on the bread, to read the scriptures is to know his will, to know his heart, to know that, yes, you can make this possible if it's your will. That's my answer. So he tells him to speak to it. Speak to the bones. Speak the word of the Lord. And then he says, let's say the Lord God unto these bones behold i will cause the breath to enter into into them and they shall live and so god is telling him if you open up your mouth i will fill it with my words and my words that i fill your mouth with you're going to speak and it will what it will cause flesh to come on their bodies it will cause it will cause their skin to come it will cause their muscles it'll cause their their fragmented body to come back together in one then verse 7 so i prophesied this is ezekiel as i was commanded as i prophesied there was a noise and we're going to stop right there with there and we're going to dig in and so here is Ezekiel. Here is Ezekiel given an opportunity to speak. Why didn't the Lord want to speak? Let's go. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's go back. We're going to go back to the beginning. And I think we've been here before. But we're going to go back again. Because your voice matters. And if you don't lift your voice, if no one hears from you, then the sound that you have, the sound that you're supposed to release won't come. The display of God and what God looks like in you won't happen. No one on here can speak and do what the other can do. You can only do what God is giving you to do. And so if you don't open your mouth, if you don't say anything, then nothing happens. So the Bible says this in uh, Genesis chapter one, we're just going to go through it really quick. It says on the first day, uh, God says, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. 
and the light divided the darkness and light verse two verse six god said let there be a firmament let there be waters and let the waters divide from the waters below from the waters above the third day let's go the lord says let uh let the heavens let the waters under become the uh, dry ground the earth and let the waters above become heaven on the fourth day let there be lights to divide between the dark and the light are you are you seeing something here the lord is speaking he is speaking to the earth he is saying what he wants to see done and these things are happening and taking shape and form and so we get to verse we get to uh chapter uh we get to verse 24 on the sixth day after god has made all the cattle and made everything he's made everything ripe and ready for the children of god he gets into verse 26 and says god says let us make man in our image and our after our likeness let man look like us we are one father son and spirit three are one and we share this oneness we we move in oneness and so man is going to be made after that same manner man is going to be made after that same manner even though he is spirit soul and body he is still going to made he's going to be one in himself and one with us and he is the extension of us physically here on the earth to what advance the kingdom because he is more than a conqueror he's not just a guy that is marked with the kingdom's ring or the kingdom's clothes that says he can rule, he is advancing, he is moving in power, advancing, exercising his ability to rule. That's who you are. Let's keep going. And God says, I will give him authority over the beasts of the earth, over every creepy crawly thing that crawleth on the earth, the fish in the sea. And God said, let us make man and our image and our likeness, and we will give him authority over the fowl of the air. We'll give him authority over everything. And so God in 27 says, and God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created he, male and female. Male and female was made in the totality image of God. God is one and we were made in oneness. We were one within ourselves and we were what? One with him. And that's why even when a man and a woman come together and get married for this call, shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall become what? One flesh. Because why? All of creation is going to declare what? The glory of the Lord. It's going to declare who God is. Marriage declares the oneness of God, the family of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and what they share together and what we share with them. And so when a man comes over to his wife and they become one flesh, it's not his and hers. It's we're all together. It's all, it's ours. The language has got to change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or you're not displaying what the kingdom looks like. So God created man. And so if he created him in his ability, in his likeness, we see that man, we see that God in the beginning in chapter one was able to speak. Let there be this, let there be that, let there be this, let there be this, let there be this. He's speaking things into existence. He gets to man, makes man in his image after his own likeness. He fashions man after himself. So that's a scripture in the beginning that tells you who you are, that you, everything he is, you are, because he made you that way. And so now 
God says this, after he made man, in verse 15 in chapter 2 of Genesis says this, and the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden and dressed it and kept it. And the Lord God commanded man saying, of every tree of the field you may eat, but the tree of good knowledge of good and evil you should not eat. Verse 19, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them all to Adam. Let me stop right there. That theory of evolution where they're talking about we all arrived from animals and we come from this. Because we are all made from the earth, we are going to share some similarities in our DNA because the animals were made from the earth just as we were. But we didn't evolve from them. We were made humans and they were made animals. Are we clear? I hope so. Let's keep moving. And then he says, I'm going to bring them to Adam and I'm going to see what Adam will call them. So God creates everything, creates this, and he gets to this part where he creates the animals and he creates the herbs and he creates all these things and he brings them to Adam and he says, now I'm going to see what Adam is going to call. What happened? Something shifted and changed because we went from the Lord speaking to things, speaking to the things speaking and all of a sudden he ceases from speaking and he hands it over to who adam and he says now you speak and whatever you call it adam that's what it'll be god had that much trust in adam because why he knew who adam is he made adam in his own image and his likeness are you hearing what i'm saying so now adam is now made to be a part and to have his part and he begins to speak he begins to open up his mouth and share what this is and what that that's a giraffe and this is a rhino and and that's a that's a that's elephant and that's a chimpanzee and, and this is that and this and he's just naming everything and god is so pleased because he's watching himself in adam do what he did in the first chapter previously. You ever see, if you got kids and you see your kids doing something that you taught them or doing something you like, where did you learn it from? And as a parent, you sit there and you're like smiling with the smile, like, how do you know to do this? This is so cool that you were doing this. That's what God was doing. God was sitting back looking at his, his son. Look at him speak. Look at him speak to the things. He's speaking to the things and he's me. Let's move forward. Let's turn to Hebrews, Hebrews 11. And you say, where am I going with this? I'm going somewhere, trust me. If you stay, if you stay on the bus, you will get to your stop and you will be able to get off. If you get off the bus prematurely, you will miss what God has for you. Amen. Let's go on, uh, verse 11. Uh, chapter 11 and, and beginning at verse 1. We'll start at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, And now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's also the evidence of things not seen. So hey, faith also has the ability to cause these things that we don't see in the natural, in the spiritual realm, to begin to take shape and form so that it can be the evidence in the natural, in this realm of manifestation of what we believe for. And it goes on, it says in verse two, it says, by that the elders obtain a good report because of their faith. 
that because of your faith in God, you're going to obtain a good report for it is impossible to retain a, a good report from God if you don't walk or don't believe in him. The Bible says it's impossible to believe, it's impossible to walk or even have a relationship with God without faith. You must believe. You must believe that he is. You must believe that he exists. If you just have enough to know that I just believe that God is the creator, that's a start. And God wants to build on that because you were meant for more. I want, you got a picture of what Adam, how Adam was operating and moving. And then the fall came. And because of that fall came, it has hindered us from moving the way we should move or operate the way we should operate. And God went on a plan to redeem man because he never meant man to be in the state that he was. He intended man to, to rule and to reign and to advance the kingdom. He is the Lord in physical form. Let's keep going. Um, in verse three, through faith, this is important. We understand that the world's now, it's interesting. It doesn't say world. It says worlds, plurals, were framed by the word of God. So God not only created the world that we live in and anything else that's out there, but he also pre he's also given, he's also created your world. Your world is different from my world, even though we live in the same world. I'm going to let that sit and let you think about that for a moment. We're running the same race and we have the same prize, but our journeys are different. Our worlds are different and we're not going to focus on it. We'll keep going. The Bible says he fitly framed our worlds or the worlds with what? His words. So he spoke, his voice said something. And how do we know he said something? There is a sound. That happened and in that sound was encoded the will in the way of what God wanted and when that sound made contact with whatever with nothing then nothing became something or the molecules be, begin to come together if we're going to get scientifically the molecules came together and they formed the various things that God was saying that needed to be formed but nevertheless he needed to say something and there needed to be, and it needed to be heard. If he did not say something in this realm, there would be nothing uh, made. So he couldn't keep everything in the spirit realm. Things could not be just thoughts in his head. We can't just keep things as thoughts that in our heads as we process. At some point, you gotta begin to speak and declare and say these things because what? They're not just meant to live here. They're meant to live out here. And if God is using you to speak to the garden, to speak to your world, to speak to the situations and circumstances without any sound, without any sound that is encoded a scripture or things, the Bible said this, he tells Joshua in Joshua one, he says, he says, do not let the word of God or the word of the law depart from where your mouth says, don't let it leave your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. That what? That your way would be what? Prosperous and you would what? 
find success. So God's word has the ability to cause you to prosper and find success because why? He is prosperity. He is true prosperity. He is true success. He is that he is that what what he speaks. And so when we keep the word of the Lord in our mouths, if we keep it there, we're going to speak the word of the Lord to our circumstances, to our situations. He says, don't let it depart. You won't be prosperous and you won't be successful. Only God's word has the ability to shift and change situations and circumstances. God's word has the ability to cause the enemy to run back on his heels. When Jesus was speaking to the enemy and they were dealing with one, one another one-on-one -on -one, and the enemy's trying to get Jesus to forfeit the reason why he came, he's trying to get him to do certain things. Jesus speaks to him, not in word. He doesn't insult him. He doesn't sit there and have a long dialogue and say, what's your name and who are you? And make you bark like a dog and humiliate. There was none of that. Jesus spoke the word. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He gave him the word and the word backed him up. The moment he opened his mouth and sound came out and the word of God comes out, that word, bam, is a hammer. And it is also what? Fire. But it is also what? A double-edged sword, cutting, dividing. And the enemy had no answer for it. The Bible says after he went after him three times, he backs up because each time Jesus speaks the word. That's why his way was prosperous. He was modeling what it looked like for our way to be prosperous and find success because he did not allow the word of the Lord to depart from his mouth. That meant he is like Psalms. He was meditating on God's word day and night so that he would be like a tree planted by the rivers of water to what? Bring forth fruit in its season and its leaves would not wither, but whatsoever he does, he would prosper because why? He is fellowshipping. When he has a circumstance, he goes to the word. When, he, when, when she has a, a thing that's coming up, she finds her voice in the Psalms and she proclaims God's word, who, who is who is the epitome of prosperity, who is the epitome of victory and triumph, and she releases him because he is his word and his word is him. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And because he is those things, when we speak the word, we are releasing him to move things out of the way. That's why the Bible says the enemy will come in one way and have to flee, what, seven different ways. Because why? When you speak, when you open your mouth and you speak to the situation, the word, there is going to be a response. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so our world is fitly framed by the words. What words? It isn't just the logos, the written word. It is also the rhema. The, the spontaneous words that come from heaven and we speak to things. But we're able to speak to these things because we carry an authority. The authority is key to speaking to things. Somebody asked me a question, said, 
And the question they posed was, do we have to say the name of Jesus every time with things because Jesus lives in us? And I thought it was a great question because when you look at Jesus in the gospels, when he spoke to things like telling demons to leave, he would say, go. He didn't say go in Jesus' name, he said, go. I'm going somewhere with this, stay with me. When the man was bound, he said, loose him and let him go. Tells uh, when Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth, unwrap him, get out, go. He was using these words. It was not just the words, it was the authority that gave that word power. God's word has authority on its own. It has power on its own. It is self-affirming. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so when we speak his word in faith, believe in what we are reading and we speak it, even with the smallest faith, like a seed, the mustard seed, he said that thing is going to move. It is going to respond because you are speaking with faith. It isn't enough to just speak and make noise. There are a lot of people, there's no saying that says, empty wagon makes a lot of noise. We don't wanna be an empty wagon that makes a lot of noise. We wanna be, uh, uh, we wanna be full with something. We, the Bible says, open up your mouth, I'll fill it. I want God to fill my mouth so that what? I can speak something. And so he fills our mouth through the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows all the scriptures, knows how God felt about the scriptures. So when we read the word with Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is able to give you insight, able to give you wisdom, able to give you the application of how to apply this so you can speak this into your situation. Because it is not meant for you to pull on pastor, apostle. It's there, there to build you up, to get you to stand and run like an army. God the Lord's mind was that we would be prophetic, uh, kingly priests speaking the situations. And we would be speaking as God is moving through us to speak. We would be a delegation of a peculiar people not, like no other because we are one and we are speaking and we are doing just like Adam did in the beginning, except it's now. But we got to arise. You are more than what you settle for. Let's keep going. I know this is a lot to take in, but it's good. Everything in this realm has a voice. Everything in this realm has a voice and it's speaking. The Bible says in um before we go there, let's go to let's go to Revelations. Revelations 19. I think that's important. <laughs> Revelations 19, beginning at um verse 10. Revelations 19, verse 10, and it says this: I fell at his feet to worship him. And he says unto me, see thou do not that. I'm a fellow servant 
of thy brethren that have a testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We've heard that scripture many times being quoted, the prophecy, the testimony of Christ Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, to prophesy is to speak, is to proclaim what? The will of God in, in form. Now, some prophets can see things, then they're seeing the will of God in picture form. Or some people, prophets feel, where you are feeling what's going on because you have this gift. Are you, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Whether you comes in feeling, audible or visual, you are engaging in a realm with a gift or an office or grace, because there are three levels. And we are moving in that as the Lord is leading us and guiding us to do these things. We're not doing it of our own self. Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. Everything that I do is because the Father is with me in this. He is doing this. I, he's the vine. I'm the branch. I can bear fruit of myself, but I can bear abundance of fruit if I'm connected to the vine. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can't. If you try to use something God is giving you outside of him, you are moving in a realm and in a place that there's no safety, it's nothing but darkness, and it's nothing but the enemy, and you're going to be deceived, you're going to be led astray, and even crushed by the thing that God is giving you. But when we take that gift and we use that gift in the confines of what God has deemed, that gift is meant to give life. Everything that God, God is life, and everything that he does, he gives life. So it's meant to give life. It's meant to bless life. It's meant to it's meant to multiply. It's meant to it's meant to uh, it's meant to um, extravagantly show who God is as we as we use our gifts and abilities. And so here, the spirit, the testimony of Christ Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I'm saying this because again, the Bible says the Creator created everything. He created everything, so He's in all. And if he's in all, in all things on this earth, in this realm, has a voice, then what are they saying? The Bible says this in Hebrews, Hebrews 12. It says this about Jesus. It says, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, his blood sprinkling, and it speaks better things than Abel. Wait, wait, wait. So you mean blood has a voice? Yes, blood. The blood of the lamb has a voice and it is in heaven on the altar because he had to appear before the altar made with no hands that was in heaven. He had to present himself as a lamb slain. And then when he presented himself as a lamb slain, the blood that he placed on the altar there speaks for you and me. And what you used to be called, the blood says, their name is not that anymore. This is who they are. So the blood is constantly speaking on your behalf on an altar in heaven. But he says that his blood speaks a better word than Abel. Who is Abel? Abel was Adam's son, one of Adam's sons. Adam had a son, Cain and Abel. Cain, out of jealousy, killed his brother, Abel, 
and the Bible says the Lord engaged him. Let's go to that. We're going to go to that real quick because I, I love to go in scripture. That way you can see where it is. Maybe you've heard the story, but we want to go where it is and take that up and just hear what God is saying. What, what was went on? What went on? So here in uh, Genesis chapter four and verse one, it says, and we'll start there. Adam knew his wife Eve and they conceived the son, called him Cain. And God has gotten me a man from the Lord. And she goes in verse two. And so she again conceives with Adam and brings forth a son, Abel. Verse three, it says, in this process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground because Cain was a farmer and offered it unto the Lord. And Abel, he brought the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord respected Abel's offering, Abel, respected Abel and his offering. But in verse five, it says, but Cain to his offering, he no respect. And God and Cain was wroth. He was upset. He was furious. And his countenance fell. The Bible says in verse six, and it says, the Lord says unto Cain, why art thou wroth? God asked him. God, I love that the Lord asks us questions, not because he wants to be informed. He doesn't need to be informed. He knows already the answer. But he's asking you a question because he's trying to awaken you to your what's going on in your heart posture. That your heart posture is in a bad place. And I'm asking you a question to, to give you a sense that, hey, come out of that space. Because sometimes when we're in a bad heart posture, we don't know we've slipped in that place, We let alone trying to get out of that place. And so sometimes God has to come along and ask you a question to kind of wake you up out of that stupor to get you to say, oh, wait, why am I here? What is going on here? Why am I here? And then you tell God, well, this is why I'm here. And God says, that ain't where you're supposed to be. So he tells him, tells him this. It's why are you upset? Why is your continence falling? For that, he said, if you did well, would I not accept you? That's the type of God I am. So there has to be some type of relationship here between God and him for him, for God to say that to him, to say, if you did good, would I not accept you? So he would have to know that about God. That'd be just like me saying to you, well, you know my word is good and you guys don't know me from Adam. I don't know nothing about you or your word, but I can only say that to somebody who knows me. Amen. And this is, uh, this is God speaking. So God is never going to judge you for something you did not know. He's going to make sure you know, because then once you know, you are accountable for what you know, that is free. Let's keep moving. And so he tells him, if you did well, would I not accept you? He says, if you stay in this space, he says, sin lies at the door and it will what? It will rule you. It will rule you. So Cain talks with his brother, her words Lord, but he talks to his brother and he concocted a plan. He was going to kill his brother. And so he kills his brother. Verse nine. And the Lord says unto Cain, where is Abel? Again, here's some questions again. Where is Abel, thy brother? And, a, and Cain calls himself smart enough to God and says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Is it my business to know where he is? Boy, you better watch your tongue. You, you know who you're talking to? I know, if, I know I, I, there was this one meme I seen on, 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 on IG and there were two chimpanzees asking and one chimpanzee asked the other chimpanzee, he said, have you ever smarted off to your dad? He said, yeah, one time at 12. He said, well, what happened? I woke up when I was 16. <laughs> you don't talk back to anybody in authority, especially your mom and dad. You, you get what I'm saying? It, it'll, it's curtains for you. But God is so merciful. 
because there are times I have, I have said some crazy stuff to the Lord because I was in frustration. I did not know. And the Lord knows you don't know. But he also knows when you're getting beside yourself. And I've had him tell me, um, son, don't say that again. And I knew then he wasn't playing and I could feel the fear of the Lord. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm not going to play with that. I'm going to be good. I repent. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to say that. Didn't mean to call you out or, or, or whatever it is that we do sometimes when we're frustrated. Let's keep going. So he says to him in verse 10, he said, what has thou done? Ask him another question. The voice, just pay attention. This is in verse 10 of chapter four of Genesis. The voice of thy brother's blood, not his voice, because he's dead, but the blood is speaking um, from the ground where it has been spilt. His blood is speaking, crying unto God, saying, I was wrong. This man betrayed me. I thought he wanted to have a conversation and he knifed me in the back or he hit me upside the head with a rock and here I am. Lord, are you going to avenge me? Are you going to make this right? Do you see why Jesus' blood cries a better thing? Because when they did the same thing to him, when his own came unto his own and his own knew, he, knew him not or didn't even recognize him or didn't want to accept him is what it really is. The Bible says they closed their eyes to him. They saw him, witnessed him, and made a decision. We don't accept this Messiah because the Messiah we want is the one in our minds. Hmm. I'm going to tell you, friends, be careful about what you want. Make sure what you want is God-led because sometimes what you want can cause you to miss what God has for you. And God intends to give you a happy life and a good life to do some good things for him. That's free too. Let's keep going. And so his blood is speaking to God, talking to the Lord. His blood. The Bible says life is in the blood. What life? The kind of life, what you're going to look like, where you come from. All those things are in your blood and the blood is speaking. It has a voice. It is speaking unto the Lord. But Jesus, who was killed and beaten and, and, and just humiliated and shamed, he who knew no sin, took on sin, was nailed to the cross. And while he was on the cross and unrecognizable, you did, it's not that pretty Jesus that they see or you see at, at, at Passover and they show on the, on the, the resurrection movies. The passion of the Christ is a true depiction of what Jesus looked like. Jesus was, he was beyond recognition, the Bible says. But on the cross, while his body is being emptied out with blood, his, his flesh can't contain his organs, everything is coming apart. He looks at the ones that are standing at the bottom and mocking, 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 mocking him. And he tells them, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Do you see the difference why Jesus, why Paul had the revelation that the blood of Christ not only has a voice to speak, but it speaks something better than Abel or us. So the blood has a voice and the blood is in heaven speaking on your behalf. So the Bible says, I didn't write it. The Bible says the blood is speaking. 
And when I plead the blood on something or when I put the blood on something, the blood is going to speak what? The will of Christ Jesus in any given situation. Whew. You better get that. That's the blood. He's not going to speak anything other than what Jesus spoke or what was given to him from his father to speak. He says, Father, in verse John 17, what I have given, what you have given me, the glory you've given me, the word you have given me, I have given to them. Are you hearing me? Let's keep going. Do you believe? I don't know if you believe yet. I'm, I'm here to convince you that everything has a voice. Let's keep going. Let's go, let's go to the New Testament. The New Testament. Let's go to Luke. And in Luke chapter 19, this is where Jesus triumphantly comes into the, the, the city of the city of Jerusalem. And he's presenting himself as the coming king, as the anointed one. And everybody is shouting and, 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 and excited. Not everybody. Then the Pharisees. The Bible says in verse 39, and some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Mr. Rebuke thy disciples. Like, man, are you crazy? Do you know what they're saying to you? Do you know what they're saying about you? They're calling you the coming king. They're calling you the anointed one, the Messiah. They, you better stop that. That's blasphemy. That's what they were telling him. And Jesus tells him, this is Jesus' response. I love Jesus' response. It's always the word. He answers and says unto them, I tell you that even if these, even if these held their peace or couldn't speak, the very rocks would immediately cry out. The rocks would speak. In another passage, and I think in Matthew, it says, have you not heard or not read that in the mouth of babes, uh, praise is perfected? That's a song. So Jesus speaks the scriptures. He speaks the word. And so he's speaking to them, telling them the rocks would speak. If they held their peace, the rocks know who I am. The rocks would say, this is the anointed one, the one who has come in the name of the Lord to redeem us. We've been waiting on him. He is the son of God. The rocks would have cried out and declared and told all of Jesus' business. Because why? All of creation has a voice and they know who the sons, not just the son, but the sons of God are. They know who we are. It's we that don't know who we are. And that's why it's time for us to arise and shine. For the light has come to reveal to you who he is and who you are together. And what the plan of God is in this life. Come on. The rocks speak. That's, you don't believe? You don't believe the rock? Let's keep going. I'll make my case even more. Let's keep going. We're going to go to Romans. Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's what the scripture is. So it's always good to go here, to go there, because you'll find God's will from the beginning, Genesis, all the way down to Revelations. You'll find he's, he's speaking the same thing. 
you know, his word confirms his word. The word itself is self-affirming. Doesn't need me to back it up. Doesn't need you back it up. God's word stands true. Matter of fact, the very, the very, all of creation is held together by what he spoke. So that if any of it failed, we'd all fall and fail and cease to exist because that's how powerful his word is. Let's keep going. And it talks about this in uh, Romans chapter eight, verse 18. It says, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us, to us and out of us. There is a glory that is wanting to come forth, that glory of sonship, that glory of the sons of God finally taking their place here on earth and the earth saying, yes, here they are. I've, I've missed. Can you imagine how the earth felt when, they, when, when Jesus stepped on the ground? We haven't had a son of God on the earth since Adam. The earth was ready to engage the son because why? It recognized who he is. He is the creator. Let's keep going. Ah, I just, it, it's just so good. Verse 19 says, for the earnest expectation of creatures waiting for the manifestation of the sun. Who are the earnest? Who are the, who are the creatures? The earth, all of creation, the trees. The Bible talks about in Psalms, the trees clap their hands. Do you know the trees? Now, when you hear that Psalms, the trees of the field, there's actually a song, the trees of the field clap their hands. They got that from the Psalms. That's in the Psalms that talks about the trees clapping their hands. So the trees are able to praise God. They clap their hands, not for themselves, but they clap their hands and lift their voice in all in total praise. I remember one time we went hiking and as we were hiking, um, we got to this place where there was nothing but trees and grass and just rocks and everything was there. And I stepped into this space and all of a sudden I could just feel this peace, peace that was just awing, peace that was so quiet, you could hear the quiet. And I remember walking, looking around and I all of a sudden became cognizant that Lord, the trees that you created are being trees. The grass is being grass, the dirt is being dirt, the rocks are being rocks. Everything that you created out here is, is being what you made it to be. So I'm in the sanctuary of total, total, unadulterated praise unto the Lord. And when I witnessed that moment, I could feel the peace vibrating, vibrating. It was like feeling them, feeling creation. Jesus, feeling creation. And that there was this knowing that they know, that creation knows. Why don't we? What's going on with us? Why don't we believe? Let's keep going. For the creature has been made subject unto vanity, not willing, not by willing, not willing, but by reason of him that's subject to him, because of the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Talking about all of creation should be delivered from the bondage of corruption, which happened upon us when two people disobeyed. See how the obedience is scary? I mean, excuse me, disobedience is scary? Well, obedience is even that much scarier. Because <laughs> if you don't obey, 
This is what you miss out on. And if you disobey, this is what you get. And they did. And because of that, we all became under this bondage. And Jesus came to undo that, pull the break every chain. I love that song with Tasha Cobb, where she's talking about, I hear the chains popping. Speak to that thing. She started, speak to that thing. I love that she got to declaring and speaking because I believe the art of us using our voices to say something to a certain, to a situation or circumstances has, has lost its way. We become God. We become so dependent. Please, God, you speak. And the Lord's like, no, I've made you more than capable to speak. You rise up. I'll tell you what to speak, but you got to open your mouth and speak it. Because it will not change if there's nothing being said. Let's keep going. And it goes on in verse 22. It says, for we know that all of creation groans and travails in pain until now. So creation not only speaks, but they groan. Not only they, but ourselves. We groan. So they groan just like we do. That means they have the voice. Let's keep going. Also, we, which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grow in ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which we are redeemed. We grow waiting to be redeemed. But when the 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 redempt, the one who saved us, the Bible says we can shout. The Bible says, "Shout now, for we've been." snatched from the hand of the enemy. The redeemer of the Lord can shout. The, the redeemer of the Lord can speak. The, the, the redeemer of the Lord can declare and decree under the, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The, the, mm, the redeemed of the Lord can open up their mouth and let sound come out and say something and shift something and push back darkness because why? The hand the mighty hand of the Lord has come and saved them, snatched them out of the hand of the enemy and has brought them back into their place in God. They has brought them back in right standing. Right standing with him. Amen. Do you still not believe that creation does not speak? I'm reading scripture. I'm telling you, everything has a voice. I want to go. Let's go here. Yeah, let's go here. I think it's okay to go here. Are you guys tracking with me? I hope you are. Revelations chapter 4. Revelations chapter 4. And this is John's revelation. And John's getting a revelation of what it is, what it looks like in heaven. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like that of a trumpet talking with me. That's a loud voice. Which said, come hither and I will show you things that will come. Verse two, it says, and immediately I was in the spirit and behold, the throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon his Jasper and a Sardis stone. And there was a rainbow about the throne and in the sight like that of an emerald. And around about the throne were four and 20 elders and upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders seated, clothed in white raiment, and they all had their heads with gold crowns, or crowns of gold. Verse five, get this, out of the throne, this is not the Lord, this is not the, the Yahweh sitting on it, it says, out of the throne proceeded lightning, thunder, and voices. 
out of the throne proceeded lightning, thunder, and voices. Lightning has a voice. Thunder has a voice. Lightning depicts whether you've been chosen. Lightning, there's a symbol of, of lightning, and it probably means more than this. But when you have pictures of lightning, I remember I had this dream of lightning. Lightning struck me twice. I was in a church service. There was a worship going on, and the cloud of God happened as they were worshiping, and lightning, as I ran to the front, the lightning struck me. Like and the and and the man of God that was in the dream said said and I believe he represented God said lightning means two things, either judgment, or he is chosen. And it's interesting that when Jesus came out of the water, the Bible says the clouds opened and not only did the dove descend but there was lightning. There was lightning. Lightning speaking. He is the chosen one. The dove is coming to rest on him. And the dove is saying, this is the, the anointed one who is coming to model what it is to be a believer like God intended in his mind. In Romans where he says, he that he foreknew, he foreordained to be conformed to the image of his son. And so we're getting this lightning is there speaking. The thunder speaks. When you hear thunder rolls, it's speaking. I remember my parents back east, when I lived back east, my, my grandma was a stickler for this boy. If thunder was rolling and we had some thunder back there. She turned the lights off and don't nobody say anything because why? God is speaking and she wasn't playing. If you opened your mouth, she popped you. There was a reverence. There was a knowing that the thunder wasn't just a thunder in terms of a storm. It was God speaking something with something God was declaring to the earth. Can that be true? Yes, that's true. When you hear thunder, Somebody up there in heaven is speaking. His name is Yahweh. What is the thunder saying? What is the thunder declaring? What is the lightning declaring? What is the voices declaring that are proceeding out of the throne? They're speaking about the anointed one. Who is Christ Jesus? You could say that the thunder is saying, when will the sons of God, whom Jesus came and saved and snatched from the hand of the enemy, when will they arise? You could say that the lightning is saying the same thing. All of creation is, is, is in, in, in great anticipation, wanting for us to take our place. Wanting for us to speak to the earth again, to speak to things around us, to declare to our situations, to, to, feast, to, to feast on the bread of heaven and release that bread of heaven. Because it's that bread that man shall not live by bread. That, that bread is the eternal bread that it's gonna take us from glory to glory right into eternity. It is not the, the, the temporal bread that we can eat and be filled today and still be hungry tomorrow, that bread cannot sustain you like the word can. If God 
the word of God is so amazing. The bread of heaven is so powerful that if God said, I don't want you to eat for the rest of your time on this earth, do you know, and you will live and you will thrive and you will do everything. Do you know his word cannot fail? And everybody will be looking at you like, why don't you eat? You need to eat because it is God's word that sustains And nothing on this earth sustains like that. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Because when the doctors say, you got this amount of time to live, and God says, I hold your time in my hand, and I'm not done yet. You still got 25 more years before you come to be with me. So you're not leaving anywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That one, the, the anointed one, the Holy One speaks. His blood speaks constantly about your life. Why are we not communing with him? So that we can speak what he's speaking. We're going to land this plane here in John. Land this plane in John. John chapter 8, Jesus said this, I speak that which I have seen with my father. So his father has shown him. When did the father show him? In the beginning, when he was creating all them things, Jesus was watching. Jesus was right there. He was with him. Ye do that which your father has shown you. He's talking to the Pharisees. You do what your father's shown you. He's talking about the father of lies. And because what he's done, this is what you do. But I do what my father has shown me. Let's let's go a little bit. The other, Jesus says, there's another part in the scripture that says, I can do nothing of myself, but I do everything that the father has shown me and told me. That's what I do. Where did Jesus learn that? When he was in prayer. How is your communion with the Lord? Are you fellowshipping in the word? Are you fellowshipping in prayer when you're praying in the spirit? Are you allowing your spirit to pray, to commune with the Lord so that you can hear what's on the Father's heart so that you can begin to see? Because it's in those times when you are praying in the spirit, you'll get a vision. Or you're praying in the spirit and you have such a time in prayer that you may fall asleep and have a, a, a prophetic dream. Or that the Lord would speak to you audibly or he speak to you in your heart or a word, a passage of scripture would jump out. Are you fellowshipping and talking to the one who knows everything? He says, if you open your mouth, I will fill it. But it is your job to let it not depart from your mouth. Because if you do, your way will not be prosperous. Your way will not, you will not find success. I can put it in your mouth, but you got to walk it out. You got to speak it. You got to declare it. You got to say it. We live in a culture that has tried to silence us since the beginning of the 2020s. In this, in this, in this decade of the 20s, it is the mouth it is the uh, it is uh, the Hebrew um, picture of the mouth speaking, and they have gone after that. They have tried to stop it. They don't want us speaking because why? When we speak, things move, 
and shake. If we praise the Lord, the energy scientifically shifts the atmosphere and it pushes the darkness away. If we stay silent, they don't want us to speak. They want us to be silent. Shame wants you to be silent. Past pain wants you to be silent. What we've done in the past wants you to be silent. Don't want you to speak, wants to disqualify you and say you can't speak because of what you did. The men who were crucifying this woman bringing her before Jesus, saying she was caught in adultery. She's an adulteress. What do you say about her? And then Jesus turns to her after they all left and they were all convicted. Jesus tells her, I don't convict you and I don't shame you. I didn't come to destroy you. I came to save you. He says, you are free from sin. Go and sin no more. He didn't call her adulteress. That's not who she was. He said, woman, you are free from sin, go and sin no more. We got to speak. We got to speak to things. Ezekiel was asked a question, can, they, can this bones live? And he didn't know. That shouldn't be our testimony. We should know, yes, Lord. If you want these bones to live, they will live because you are life. That's who you are. Then he tells him, you speak to him. So God is saying, speak to the things that are in your life. Speak. What am I speaking? Speak his word. Speak the rhema. The, the spontaneous word that comes from the spirit or in scripture, find your voice in scripture and proclaim that. Jesus did it that way. Why do you think that you don't have to do it that way? Oh, God, God knows my heart or he moves. God doesn't move on. He moves nothing. He doesn't move on emotions. He moves on faith. Do you believe? Do you believe? When Jesus walked on the water, and I'm landing this plane, Jesus walked on the water and he rebuked the wind and the waves and got in them. He told him, how long are you going to stay in this space of not believing? Do you know Jesus was speak? Jesus was basically saying, wake up. You are just like I am. You could have spoke to this situation here too. But you don't because you don't know who you are and you haven't come to believe. I've not just been somebody who's come to show off. I've been your example. I am your blueprint. I'm showing you what you are capable of. If you believe, he says in Matthew 11, 22, he says, have the God type of faith. Have faith in me. You shall have what you what, what you say. So don't be silent and don't be foolish with your words at the same token, because the Bible says be slow to speak and quick to hear. What is that saying? That's saying, let's hear what heaven has to say. Let's hear what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say so that my words have impact, so that my words count for something, so that I can 
so that the kingdom is advancing. And I'm not idly speaking foolish things because we will give an account for every foolish word that is spoken. So when I believe, and I believe in the one, and I speak it, I'm going to speak it with the expectation to see God move. I'm going to speak it because I know he's going to move. It isn't God. The Lord didn't speak to the earth, hoping that the earth would respond. He spoke knowing that the earth was going to respond the same way if we speak the will of God. He says, if we pray the thing that is God's will, we can rest assured it will be answered. So when we speak and we declare and God says, what do you see? You don't see hoping you're going to see it. You speak knowing you are going to see it because that's that aspect of faith that we have to get to. It is about knowing because the truth you know will set you free. The truth you are in, in it has been revealed to you, been unfolded to you. That is how you're going to move. That's going to determine how you're going to advance the kingdom or how much you can. So I want all of the truth of the word. I don't want to let it depart from my mouth. I want to, I want to eat it. I want to digest it. I want to fellowship in it because when I do, that's what's going to come out of me in any given situation. And I know with a knowing that I'm not waiting for it to be heard. He hears me always, and I'm looking for the response, the fruit of what is spoken, because I know that he, he hears me, and I'm speaking his will. And the key is fellowshipping with a person. If you fellowship with a person, you're going to get to know who they are. You're going to get to know what they would do and what they wouldn't do, what they would say and what they won't say, how they feel about any given situation or any topic as you get to know them. So when you spend time and get to know the Lord, you're going to know not that healing is his will, but you're going to know that in any given moment, what God's will is. Because you've made it a habit to commune with him. And when you don't know, God, what's your willingness? What's happening here? And the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, what? He says, I'm extravagant. I give it to you abundantly because I am your exceeding reward. And I'm a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. Are you hearing what I'm saying, people? Everything around us has a voice. And it's declaring who Jesus is. That's why the Bible says, all of creation declares the glory or declares the glorious one or talks about the anointed one. But then all of creation is talking about the anointed ones who the anointed ones save. And they're saying, when are they going to come and take their place? When are they going to advance the kingdom? And then God says, Don't you believe in who I am? And if you do, speak. Open your mouth. I will fill it. 
and you'll see me move. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that this there, there be a holy conviction. There'll be such a, a, a fear of the Lord. And I pray that, Lord, we would be wise with our words. We would not be foolish with our words, but wise with our words. And we would learn to speak to things. We will learn with wisdom and understanding of heaven to speak to the things that need to be spoken to so that your will can be done. Because that's what we're here for, that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move and have your way. We don't ever want to be the same. We want to be the sons of God. So I pray that the sons of God would arise. They would begin to awaken to who they are that they would no longer be satisfied with just superficial or being casual you are meant to be more than what you are at this moment and you are deserving of it if you wasn't he wouldn't have saved us it was in his mind before you were ever here to have salvation already here waiting for you Father, I, 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 I bless their steps and, and I just bless their time with you that you would stir a longing and a hunger and a thirst for you that they would love you more than anything. That they would want to sit with you and get to know you and not because they want something. Holy Spirit, there you are there to teach them. Teach them, Holy Spirit about who they are and about who the father is show them his heart but then show them their heart so they can align their heart with him father i bless you and we we say thank you for this time to feast on your word we honor you we bless you we bless those that are going to listen let them encounter you let let them feel the conviction the, the fear of the lord let them experience the presence of the Lord as they hear what has been spoken. In Jesus' mighty name, we honor you. Amen and amen.